The Daily Rios, episode 337, for Thursday, August 4th, 2016. Arrow Season 1 Wrap-Up Discussion. So, back in episode 323 from October of 2015, almost a year ago, a listener, David from Texas, asked if I was going to do recaps of the Arrow TV show since I was watching it at that time. And at the point, at that point, as it turned out, I was in a position to do so because I had just watched the first nine episodes, and that's where the first season does its winter break. So I could talk about those nine episodes, and it was a nice sort of um, complete discussion since those nine episodes end uh, on a certain semi-cliffhanger. Now, while it's definitely not timely since the series is actually starting season five this fall, I did finish season one a while back, uh, probably about three or four months back, but I wasn't podcasting at the time. So now I am, and I get a chance to continue recapping Arrow, uh, which means I get to knock something off of my to-do list since I've been sitting on these notes. And really, even if it's just for me, I I can get these notes down digitally in a podcast so I can erase them from my phone, if nothing else. So what follows will just be my thoughts overall of the back half of season one, uh, which uh, came out to another 14 episodes, 23 in total. I have loose notes, I have some overview things, and I even want to talk a little bit about the Green Arrow Year One miniseries from 2007 by Andy Diggle and Jock. To start things off, now that I've seen all of season one, I don't know why people said it was so dark. I don't find it to be especially dark. When someone says a season is dark to me, I think of some of those seasons uh, in Battlestar Galactica where things were way grim and and it was just every episode they were just beaten on over and over again and characters were you know, just hitting their lowest points. And that to me is dark. That to me is grim. Um, I don't find Arrow Season 1 really dark. There are moments of levity. There are some places where um, Ollie, not Green, not Arrow, but Ollie himself, um, he's just doing what he feels is right, and um, I don't see him at a low point. Now, by the end of Episode 9, sure, he's at a low point, but he, you know, he gets out of it. I don't know. I, I really don't see that. I, I see conflict. There's a lot of conflict in the way that Ollie goes about his uh, quest, uh, certainly with Diggle. Um, there are secrets, family secrets, business secrets, secrets that Ollie discovers about his father, about his mother, uh, about uh, Merlin. So I can certainly see, see that. There, there are overreactions. Uh, Thea is definitely one that overreacts. Tommy is definitely one that overreacts. Uh, it's the typical TV show thing where nobody talks to each other. If they would just say what they know, things would be resolved way earlier. And there are differences, uh, philosophical differences, uh, certainly in the way that, um, Ollie and Captain Lance, uh, act with each other, uh, Captain Lance and Arrow, Laurel and her father, 
you know, Felicity, she, she adds a new level of that when it comes, when she joins, um, the Arrow team. So all of that, again, not dark to me, just a story, just an ongoing story in the way that, um, I would expect from a superhero TV show. The other takeaway from this first season, and you know, this is nothing new. None of this is new. Some you might have, if you've seen this before, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you may already know what I'm about to say. The other takeaway <clears throat> from the Arrow TV show, especially if you're watching Flash right now, is how the show moved away from the formula that the CW had with Smallville. Smallville definitely pushed love triangles and and extended them way too long. Smallville had the freak of the week. Um, they didn't really necessarily do the overarching story. Um, <clears throat> you know, maybe early on it was always about Clark and Lana and Clark and Lex. And later on, later seasons, they started to develop stories. But Arrow, I felt right from season one, right from those first nine episodes and then the wrap up to episode 23, I felt that they knew where they were going. They knew where they were going with the story. And and it was rare for me to watch an episode and say, ah, that was that was just filler. I think the flashbacks help to take that notion away, that notion of uh, a series just kind of slowly building but not really moving anywhere. So I didn't feel that way with Arrow, especially in season one. I felt like it was definitely going somewhere. And then by the time you get to the first season of Flash, which is pure TV comic book formula, um, you know, they they it's almost like they perfected it, you know. Um, Arrow goes a long way in kind of bridging the gap between Smallville and Flash and even uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Um and even Supergirl, right? If you want to, if you want to go all the way to CBS, and and of course, you know, Supergirl is now is now coming to CW. So I like that about season one that it kind of moved quickly, and instead of taking the whole season for him to be anguished over being Arrow, no, it, it kind of just kind of rips right into the mystery and and keeps going. So I appreciated that. So going into the back half of season one. Um, it all leads up to Merlin's plan uh, with the, um, the called the Undertaking, and it's all about the Glades and basically revenge for his wife being killed in the Glades. Um, we get the Arrow team more and more developed between Ollie and Diggle, and then eventually Felicity joins in. Um, the Island flashback drama. Uh, comes to a head um, where Ollie meets um, meets Slade Wilson, meets the Terminator. That was cool. He also meets Yaofei's daughter, Shadow, which is a Green Arrow character from the comic books. And it all wraps up. You, you find out that, um, you know, Eddie Fires um, had a plan. He has a boss. Um, and, you know, Ollie and his team on the island managed to stop that just like they managed to, well, they don't manage to stop quite all of the undertaking, but most of it. There were some things that I misjudged. I, I totally thought the island drama, I thought it really was all being run by Robert, Ollie's father. I thought he was going to wind up alive and that he, uh, orchestrated this whole thing so that Ollie would go on the island and maybe learn a little bit something about himself and become something more than just this millionaire playboy. 
I thought that Eddie Fires was in on the whole thing. Um, and then, you know, turns out, nope, you know, Yao Fei is killed. Uh, Eddie Fires is killed. Ali shoots him with an arrow. So that is kind of like uh, the beginning of his um, uh, becoming Arrow or the person that will become Arrow because he actually takes a life. The whole Slade Wilson thing is kind of cool. Uh, he helps to train Ollie in this universe, which is neat. So, yeah, this whole thing where I thought Robert was behind. Now, there is someone behind all of this. And in one of the images, it, it's a it's a woman. So I'm not quite sure how this all turns out. Um, by the end of season one, Tommy dies, which I wasn't surprised about. I knew he would eventually die. I saw something online, you know, while I was watching the first nine episodes. But I thought maybe he would stick around for another season, so we'll see about that. I'm not always usually a strong fan of John Bowerman, but I have to say, you know, him playing Malcolm Merlin, it won me over. He has some really choice scenes, especially near the end of the season, where his rage just comes out, and uh, it's it's frightening to behold. I, I actually had to applaud John Bowerman. I said, wow, that's some good acting right there. I wasn't sure if he knew if Ollie was Arrow, and there is one scene where Ollie is knocked out, and Merlin pulls back his hood and discovers that it's Ollie, and acts surprised. So unless he was feigning it, uh, you know, that was kind of nice to see. Um, I'm always a fan of um, Ollie's mother, um, uh, Mora. She is just a fantastic actress, Susanna Thompson. Um, I did a little research on her. Uh, because I was surprised to find out that um, one of the things that she did way back when, she was on an episode of DS9, uh, Star Trek DS9, and she played uh, a character that was in love with um, Dax, Jadzia Dax, and they had that kiss, and apparently it was one of the earliest lesbian kisses on TV, TV same-sex kisses or something like that. Um, so that was that was Mora. That was the actress, Susanna, who played that. She was also on an episode of X-Files, which um, I'm starting to watch. Um, uh, she was on a season one episode, and I said, oh, that's Mora. And that's when I went on this whole IMDb thing and discovered that she was in Deep Space Nine, a couple episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. She's fantastic. She's fantastic in this series. She has some really great moments. Um, I love her conflict in being a pawn of Malcolm, she has some scenes with Ollie where, uh, you know, whenever he starts to talk about secrets or his father and she's, she she pushes back on him and, you know, tells him not to uh, – there's a one scene where she says, don't tell me how to feel. And she, the rage – again, the rage. She's so good. I really enjoy her on the show. For the other characters, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Stephen Amell is great. I, I – it's funny, I think he's a little stiff at times, and I don't mean that in his acting. I mean just physically. He really is very still on TV. And I know that's somewhat of what TV acting is about. But I think he could loosen up just a little bit. Uh, David Ramsey as Diggle is great. Uh, Willa Holland sometimes gets a little annoying as Thea. Um, Katie Cassidy, Emily Rickards as uh, Felicity. Fine, fine. And we got introduced to Roy Harper, Colton Haynes. Um, uh, and it's very confusing in my brain to have Thea be called Speedy, but then we have this Roy character running around in a red hood, and, you know, just, there's a lot, sometimes I look at it and go, ah, this is so weird. Uh, Detective Lance, Paul Blackthorne, I, I like him. 
uh, in the series. And, um, you know, I know that he sticks around for a little bit longer, at least. Um, so yeah, you know, season one, as an overview, I, I really did quite enjoy it. Um, I don't know if it's the highlight of the series. I know some people say it's the best season. Some people say it does get a little better. Um, I don't know. I'll just keep watching. And I know that season two kicks off with the Suicide Squad, or at least with uh, Bronze Tiger. Eventually, we'll have to get Black Canary, um, Thea as Speedy, Roy as Arsenal. So all that stuff coming down the line. Now, in terms of the actual individual episodes, um, Arrow 10, uh, episode 10, uh, is six weeks after Ollie has been defeated by the Dark Archer. Um, these are all just little notes, uh, little, and I and there's so many notes that I took, but I don't want to read them all. I just want to read things um, episode by episode. Uh, let's see, episode 11, we get, this is where I started to feel in the flashbacks that, um, I, I don't know, it just something about it made me think that Eddie Fires and, and Yao Fei, they were training Ali. Um, you know, that, that maybe this was some mandate by Robert to say, hey, shape my son up. But, you know, that they were testing him or, own, or honing him. But obviously that's not how it turns out. But I did write a note here. I said, okay, was the list, that book that Ali has with all those names, was it written by Ra's al Ghul? Kind of like Batman Begins, where he's trying to make Starling City a better place to be by destroying it. Um, you know, sort of like in Batman Begins, where he does he wants to destroy Gotham for the same reason. So that starts to percolate in in this uh, second part. Um, there's a dinner scene in episode 11 where Malcolm uh, actually calls the arrow Green Arrow, which I thought was funny. And then um, the Vertigo drug is introduced. In episode 12, we actually see somebody named the Count who was selling Vertigo, a drug named Vertigo. And at the uh, epi- end of the episode, Ollie injects the Count with a whole bunch of drugs. And of course, right away, I was like, oh, I guess that's a perfect perfect setup for the Count to get powers later. Uh, Count Vertigo is a you know huge Green Arrow um, um, villain in the comic books. Episode 13... Um, this was the one where Ollie confronts Mora about uh, the book. He finds out that Walter had a book uh, of names so that it's not just Robert's book, his father. It's not just a one-of-a-kind. Several people actually have one. Every time they try to investigate Moira, it doesn't quite come across. Like, they don't get enough information. But she has this scene where she's uh, talking with Malcolm and and Diggle records it, but when they play it back, Malcolm's voice is distorted. Not Moira's, but Malcolm's. So that was kind of cool. Like, you know, definitely Malcolm as the Dark Archer. He has, um, he, he's very sure of himself, and he tries to uh, make sure that uh, no one gets the one-up on him. This is the episode where Ollie meets Slade Wilson. There's more than one Deathstroke, uh, and Slade will actually take on Ollie, to train him and tells him to choose a weapon. And obviously that weapon's going to be a bow and arrow, although that's not quite how it works out. Um, and at the end, there's a great scene where where Arrow crashes into Moira's uh, office and she wants to know, you know, she said he says his famous line, you have failed this city. It's a great ending. And it kicks into episode 14 where she actually shoots him 
not knowing that he's he's her son. And that's how Felicity finds out that Ali is Arrow because he jumps into Felicity's car and Felicity takes him to uh, the Arrow Cave <laughs> and, uh, you know, she becomes part of the team. There is a sequence in the flashback of this episode where Ali uh, sees a phone and he actually calls Laurel but doesn't say anything. And it's a total lost moment, you know, the episode of Lost, the constant. It's it's so referencing that, uh, you know, in a funny way. So uh, I, not in a funny way. The show is not trying to purposely do it, but I I sat there going, "This is Lost. This is the constant." And in this episode, we learn that Yaofei has a daughter named Shadow, and she has a dragon tattoo on her back, and so does Ali in the present. And it makes me think, oh man, do I have to go back all 14 episodes at this point and see if he actually has that dragon tattoo, or does it just show up in this episode? So Shadow, another character of the Green Arrow mythos coming into the show, which was kind of cool. Episode 15, I mentioned Battlestar Galactica. Episode 15 has two actors who are in this episode, uh, Gaius and the actress who played Tori. Uh, Gaius plays a man called Dodger. And um, we get Roy Harper in this episode. Um, we get a little more intrigue with Moira. Uh, she wants to hire China White, the character that Kelly Hugh plays, uh, to kill Malcolm Merlin. And when I did a little digging at the time of watching the episode, I realized China White is from the Green Arrow Year One miniseries, which I'll talk about later. Okay, let's see. Then we have episode 16, clearly a sweeps episode. This is the episode that Jeff Johns wrote. Um, it starts off with Arrow taking down an assassin named Brutale. Uh, Deadshot is back, and he has an apartment in Bloodhaven. We have all these Nightwing references in this episode. Tommy learns about his dad. He learns about Ollie being Arrow. Uh, there's a Nanda, Nanda Parbat mention in this episode. And uh, Malcolm tells Tommy that, you know, after he, after his wife died, after his mother died, uh, that he met someone and, and that it changed his life. And this has to be Rachel Ghoul. Like, I know Rachel Ghoul appears in later seasons. So I feel like the Dark Archer must have learned all this stuff from someone. So this is totally Batman Begins right now. So all those comments about the Arrow TV show being like a just a Batman TV show, yeah, I guess it's coming to, to play out uh, in the second half of this season. Um, and then we get Laurel's mom. She comes back and she feels that her sister Sarah may actually be alive, which obviously if you watch The Legends of Tomorrow and watch later seasons of Arrow, that that is true. Um, episode 17, The Huntress Returns, um, I don't know, it was an okay episode. Episode 18, there's a little more intrigue with the Glades and The Undertaking. Uh, Moira, you know, she's really getting in deep by this episode. Um, and we also learn that Laurel's mom lives in Central City and she needs to go home in a flash. So I thought that was fun, a nice early reference to Central City. Uh, uh, episode 19, we get a mention of Argus, the corporation known as Argus. I'm not sure if we, not the corporation, the organization known as Ar Argus. I don't know if we've heard of this reference prior to this, but uh, it's connected to Diggle. And next episode, we find out that his connection at Argus is named Lila, and then her code name is Harbinger, which right when it happened, I was like, oh, of course, that's brilliant. 
Um, and episode 20, this is where the real sort of Laurel, Ollie, Tommy triangle kicks off. Um, and it kicks off in the remaining episodes. Tommy sees Ollie and Laurel in, in, a, in a, you know, having sex and it's all the blah, 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 blah. Um, episode 21 has a really great flashback to five years ago at a meeting at Robert's mansion with Robert and Malcolm and uh, where Malcolm basically lays out his plan. And Robert and Moira are like, no, you know, we can't do this. But Malcolm is just like, you know, we got to do it. Um, I found this is my new calling. And all of it is just hearkening to this whole plan and Rachel Ghoul and the, the, the lists of names and all this kind of stuff. There's an interesting comment that Malcolm gives to Moira where he says, you and I will always have a connection and I do know from the Flash crossover what that connection is, but it was kind of nice to see it way early. There's a mention of Ted Cord. There's a mention of Ray and Jean, Ray Palmer and Jean Loring, um, because Laura wants to move in with Ollie in this flashback. And that's the whole reason why Ollie takes off on the boat, because he wants to get away from, I guess, his relationship with Laurel, and he macks on her sister, and that you know that's a whole setup of the very first episode of the season. I still think at this point that Robert brought Ollie on purpose on the boat, but, you know, obviously that doesn't pan out. It's a great episode. And then the next two episodes, the final two episodes, everything just comes to a head. On the island, uh, you know, Yao Fei and Eddie and Shadow, they all manage to disrupt whatever it is that Eddie wants to do. Um, he, he wanted to start a war, basically. He wanted to start blow up a plane, and that would cause some international incident. But they managed to stop it. And Ollie, you know, kills Eddie and he takes a life and he's on his way to become Arrow. Um, Walter is, has been rescued because he's been kidnapped for, the, you know, this whole part of the season. But he leaves Moira because he knows that she's in on all this stuff. We have a great Arrow versus Merlin fight versus Malcolm, you know. Um, and that's where uh, Arrow gets unmasked and Merlin figures out, oh my god, it's Ollie. And I was sort of like, oh, he didn't know until this point. And he basically says the whole setup at the end of the series, uh, of the season, he says, you know, look, I'll always beat you, Oliver, because you have nothing, you don't know what you're fighting for. And of course, that means that he's going to find what it is that he's going to fight for, and it's Starling City, and it's the Glades, and it's his family. And he'll do anything he can to do it, if that even means killing people. So now he's sort of back to killing people. I imagine that'll be something that'll play out in the second season with Diggle. Moira has a great moment. She basically goes public and tells them to get out of the glades and that it's all Malcolm's fault. Uh, this is where Tommy learns that Malcolm really is just going off the deep end. Um, and of course, it all ends with uh, the destruction of the glades because of, of an earthquake device from Markovia and a, and a scientist named Brian Markov, which I thought was great, a whole Geoforce uh, outsiders connection there. So one device actually goes off and half of the glades is destroyed, Tommy dies, and it ends, you know, with the destruction of the glades. So uh, we'll see where that all kicks off. So yeah, I like I like this season. It's actually a season that uh, I could see myself watching again because there's a lot of setup and a lot of you're learning who the characters are and what their relationships are. There's some good island mystery stuff. Um, but uh, But I'm looking forward to jumping back in again so I can start season two.
as I mentioned a couple times earlier, I sat down and read the Green Arrow Year One six-issue miniseries from 2007 by Andy Diggle and the artist known as Jock. So DC at that time had put out other miniseries, all with this Year One concept, and they all shared a similar, you know, banner dress. Uh, it was Green Arrow, uh, Huntress, Metamorpho, Teen Titans, and Black Lightning. So I wanted to read it to compare it to the TV show to see if this is where they were pulling their inspiration from. And there are some elements that you can kind of see that they were influenced by it, but um, the comic book origin is always going to be very, very different than the TV show. So in these six issues, it, it all takes place on the island, and it's just his way of becoming Green Arrow by the end of it. Um, he has this... Um, a person that works with him named Hackett, which uh, it's a character that I thought was going to be the influence for the Diggle character, but it turns out that Hackett is secretly trying to steal money from Ollie, and they both wind up on a boat to uh, that's headed to this island uh, off of Fiji. Uh, Hackett is working for a character known as China White, which is the Kelly Hugh character in the TV show. Um, on this island, there are some poppy fields, and she's basically running a drug drug field. And Ollie stumbles upon upon it. Um, well, actually, what happens is um, on the boat, he finds out that Hackett is double crossing him, and Hackett throws him over the boat, and that's how he winds up on the island. Um, and you know, he he has he had said a couple times in the earliest issues that he felt like something was missing, and he's this you know billionaire, and he has no parents, he has no place in life, he's an adventurer. So the thing that's really the marked difference from the TV show, a couple things, um, the comic book version of Green Arrow doesn't have a family, doesn't have a support group, uh, and when he comes to the island in this series. He already has some skills. Um, he talks about um, how he was always a natural bowman. So, uh, and he doesn't he doesn't seem while he's pampered and he's a drunk, he doesn't seem you know useless like the TV Ollie sort of was when he went to the island. So that Ollie can actually make an arrow for himself and learn how to shoot and learn how to survive for months and months, and then eventually take down uh, China White's organization on the island. Long story short, he's already a hero, and he just needs something to steer him in a direction uh, of, of putting all those energies towards. Whereas the TV show Arrow, you know, it takes him a little while to realize that he's an, uh, a hero and stop being so selfish and all of that. The miniseries also added this character named Tayana, who was pregnant, and she was part of a, a group of slaves on the island that worked the poppy fields. Uh, and by the end, you know, she gives birth and Ollie is the one that helps her to give birth. And he, you know, I don't know, there's something about it. It's a way to show his humanity, I guess. It's sort of sappy, the ending. Um, she's the one who names him. She says that, uh, my people call you Green Arrow. Uh, and it's, you know, it's in their language. And she says it translates to Green Arrow. So I don't know that, that element sort of was unnecessary, I thought, um, for this origin story. Most of Green Arrow's origin stories in the comic books, um, except for the Golden Age origin. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a millionaire, he's a billionaire, he loses his family really young, he winds up on a boat, he either falls off because he's drunk, <laughs> or it's taken over by, uh, you know, pirates, 
either way, he always winds up on an island, and then it's a question of how he gets off the island. Some origin stories, his his Silver Age origin story, um, there are just a bunch of pirates. I think he he's on the island and he sees a boat um, being taken over by pirates, so he goes and helps out, and then that's how he gets off the island. In The Longbow Hunters, um, he's on the island and he stumbles across uh, just like two or three um, druggies um, who are smoking it up, and they call him Green Arrow, and it's not like he really did anything to them. He just managed to, uh, you know, do like a citizen's arrest on this island and call the authorities, and that's how he gets off. And then in later origins, you know, it's a much bigger thing where he comes across some kind of drug operation and he has to fight him off and he stays there for a while and that's how he becomes Green Arrow. And, you know, there's always some mix and match of that. There were even some origins where it was said that he had like a metahuman ability as a marksman and I'm so glad they got rid of that. So the miniseries, it's okay. It's, you know, it all takes place on the island. There's some really nice jock artwork. Um, as an origin for Green Arrow, it, it obviously doesn't stick. Um, I don't know. I, it's okay. It's okay. And I can see where they took some nods for the TV show, but clearly the TV show goes in a much, much different way. Um, and they use the island and they use um, that bit of origin story to have an interesting story device while they do the TV show, you know, whether it was inspired by Lost or whatever, um, to do flashbacks. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you can find this somewhere in the cheap bins or digitally if you want to read it. Um, it's not deep. It's not going to take you long. Uh, you can probably read um, a synopsis of it and get the same content, you know, in a weird way. But if you want to see the artwork, you can do that. I'm glad I read it because now I know. But um, um, as far as taking its course taking inspiration to the TV show, it's very subtle. It's very, it's not deep at all. And they, they went off in many, many different ways. All right. So that's my wrap up of Arrow season one. Yay. I can finally start watching Arrow season two. Finally. <laughs> uh, this has been the Daily Rios episode 337 for Thursday, August 4th. Talk to you soon.